Sam. Thank you, Ryan. How are we doing today? Everybody feeling good? Welcome to, uh, hey, it's the first Sunday of a new year. You're here. You made it. You've set your intention and you're, you're at church or you're with us online. Anybody with us online? We're so glad to be with you. And um, I really do believe God has something to say to uh, each of us this morning at the, the beginning of uh, 2024, beginning-ish. You know, we're a few days in now. Um, but first Sunday. Um, so I had, a, uh, I had a birthday this week, turned 39 on the second. Um, at least I think I'm 39. I'm at the age where I like don't know, actually. It's like that. It's, it sounds like a lot. Like it, when I say it, I'm like, that's not, that can't be right um, that I'm 39. Um, I actually did have a moment. Uh, we, it was Tuesday. It was our first, uh, first day back in the office as a staff as well after the holidays. And so I told the staff this, that I went into my closet that morning to get dressed. And I just, I just kind of let out a long sigh and said, 22. And then I was like, wait, what? I don't know why I said 22. It was like my soul feels 22, I think, is, is what was happening. Um, and so, uh, yeah, but all, all my, my people, we're all, we're, all you 22-year-olds, I'm, I'm with you. We're um, 39, 39, just getting started, guys, just getting started. But it is, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this. This is wobbling a little bit. Um, it, I do, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a shadow side and a bright side of having a January 2nd birthday. The, the shadow side is that everyone's done celebrating by the time I'm having a birthday. Like, I'm done celebrating. Somebody asked me on Tuesday, what are you doing tonight to celebrate your birthday? And I'm like, I don't know, Daniel Fast or something maybe? Like, I don't even want to eat anymore after this holiday, you know? So we're, uh, so I, th- that's the, the, the dark side. The bright side, though, is, is I have a birthday at the beginning of a new year every year. And so that energy you feel of, it's going to be, what am I, what's God doing this year? What's the, the page is turning. I feel that uh, so personally as well, uh, not just that it's a new year, but it's a new um, age for me too. And so I'm excited about um, this morning. I, I do think God wants to speak to you about the new thing, um, this, the new opportunity. Maybe you get a little fresh perspective for the life that you're living um, as we, uh, as we launch into this year. So we are doing a, we're starting a new series, a little mini series that we're beginning today called God Is. And, uh, and each week we're talking about a different way that God orients himself towards you and in your life. So this week we're talking about the fact that God is for you. He's for you. Next week, we're talking about the fact that God is with you, and then God is in you, and God is on you, and God is through you, and all these different kind of dimensions of life in God. But this week, God is for you. And if you're going to take notes today, if you're going to write anything down today, I would write that sentence, God is for me. And I don't know how you're coming in today. I don't know how you feel about your life right now. I don't know how you're experiencing your days and your years and the season that you're in. But I'm mainly just here today to tell you, hey, it's a new year and God is for you. So we're going to read a a passage from Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 28, and uh, we'll go from there. Does that sound good? This is Paul writing to the church in the city of Rome. He says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Other translations say he works all things together for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. 
For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God, this morning we ask that you would speak to us. Speak to our hearts. My prayer is that each person, each one of us would have the sense in our heart and our soul, the core of our being, God, that you love me that you see me, that you know me, that you are for me, and that you have something that you're doing in my life. I pray that um, our perspective would widen and our faith would grow and that we would feel and know in our depths just how good you are and how much you love us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. First Sunday of the new year. Um, so can I, uh, can I gas you up for a minute? Is that okay? Can I just gas you? Can I put a little fuel in your tank? I'm going to need your permission though. I'm going to need you to say yes. Can I gas you up? This is what I want to do. This is what I'm here to do for you. Okay. It's the first Sunday of the new year. So you are here. First of all, you're here. You are here. <laughs> you made it. You are right here in this moment. You're not at work tomorrow. You're not wherever you were last night. You are right here, and you are here on purpose. God made you. He created you. You were created. You're not just a jumbled bunch of atoms and cells that washed up on a shore somewhere and somehow showed up this Sunday wearing that new jacket you got for Christmas. Like you are, you were created, and you're here on purpose. God created you because he wanted you to be here. You exist because someone wanted you to exist. Let that settle in. God created you because he loves you and he created you with your unique genetic code and the, all the things that biologically and physiologically make you, you. And he, he placed you in a moment and in a place in time and history where the environment you would be in would, would form and shape you into the person that you're becoming, whether those were positive or negative factors and experiences that brought you to the moment that you're in right now. He placed you where you are and where you've been on purpose. Actually, Acts 17, Paul says uh, in Acts 17 to the, the, his hearers in the city of Athens, he says uh, that God put everyone in their, 
uh, in their nation or tribe or family and in their time and history on purpose. He placed every person where they exist on purpose and he's not far from any one of them. He says, so that he put, he put you right where you are so that you could just reach out your hand and find him. He's right there. He's not far from any, any person who's ever lived. He's speaking of, of every human being who's ever and will ever live, that God placed you when and where you are on purpose. You are right where you are supposed to be. And you are perfectly positioned at this moment in your life to hear God's voice for yourself. And you are perfectly positioned at this moment in your life to take whatever the next step is that God is leading you into to walk down whatever path he's leading you down. Right now, in this moment, you're right where you're supposed to be. And uh, the, some of the language that's in that passage we just read, you know, it says that God, he predestined us and he justified us. And some of that language can get a little tricky and we can create all kinds of weird theologies about that. Uh, basically, it just means that, that, that you're here on purpose, right? Um, I've, been re- I've been watching season two of Loki. Anybody? Um, I, I'm just getting around to it. I think it's been out. Has it been out for a little bit? Um, I, this is like my one, I, get, I watch one episode once the kids go to sleep at night. That's what I've been doing for the past week. This is, it's not Loki. Life is not Loki. All right. So, so it's, you're not just some cog in some cosmic wheel serving somebody else's grand plan. No, you have a purpose. You actually have a role to play in the story God is telling and the work God is doing in the world, but you matter. You matter. You have value, whether you feel like you do or not whether the world has told you that you do or not, whether your experiences or circumstances have told you that you have value or not, you matter. You have value. You are important. And it's important that you're here. And God is for you. God is for you. Uh, What we just read in Romans 8, Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? And I don't know how you are experiencing your life. If, you, if, if maybe you're more in touch with the things or people that feel like they're against you than what is for you. If you've had any sort of conflict or friction or challenges in your life recently, you might be more in touch with that feeling of againstness that can take place in our lives. And, and, and if those are your experiences, then that's completely valid, right? The church that he's writing to in Rome, that Paul's writing to, this is not a, a series on Romans. I'm not going to try to give you a full synopsis of the book of Romans. There's a lot there, right? But I'll give you a little bit of history really quickly. Uh, the church in the city of Rome was highly persecuted. They were experiencing great conflict. There was a lot against them as a community and as people. The emperor Nero was lighting them on fire and using them to light his gardens at night, right? There is a, and in the, in the Roman empire, uh, there was a lot of tolerance of different religions as long as that religion involved you worshiping a lot of different gods, because then you could add the emperor, the Caesar to your list of gods that you worship. But for Christians and Jews in the first century Roman empire, they worshiped one God, uh, which could pose some problems for them. Uh, in, a, in a society where it was expected that you were at least also worshiping Caesar as a manifestation of God. And so the people in, in Rome and the church in Rome were experiencing great challenge, great persecution. They could have said to Paul, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who's against us? Everyone's against us. The emperor's against us. We don't even know if we're going to make it. 
And that would be a valid experience and a valid response. And Paul even, the person writing this letter to them saying, if, if God is for you, who can be against you? He's also the same one that in 2 Corinthians 11 gives a list of all the stuff that's happened to him. He says, I've, I've been flogged, I've been beaten, I've been in prison, I've been naked, I've been, I spent a night and a day in the open sea, I've been shipwrecked. Like his, the list is like, okay, buddy, you win, you win, you win. All the hardest, you got the hardest life, okay? <laughs> the worst stuff has happened to you, you win. And he's the one saying, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can be against you? And this is just kind of a moment. This is a check-in at the beginning of a year. Check in with yourself. How are you experiencing your life? Would you honestly say, don't say it out loud, would you honestly say that you feel like God is for you? Maybe not the Sunday school answer, like, yeah, 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 God is for me, I know this. Is that how you're experiencing your life right now? Or are you more in touch with the things that feel like a challenge? Or are you even in touch? Sometimes we can just kind of float through our life, and a defense mechanism is to be kind of numb and just sort of go with the flow, and like, yeah, yeah, I'm back at work, whatever. Check in. Check in with yourself right now. Do you believe... Do you think, do you know, do you feel that God is for you? There's another guy in the uh, scriptures who's kind of a big deal. His name is Moses. Have you heard of him? He shows up pretty early in the Old Testament. Uh, and um, he, his story plays a big role in the story that God is telling through his people and through um, human history. And, and in Exodus chapter 2, uh, verse 21, we see Moses's part, this moment in Moses' story. So real quick, Mo- Moses is a Hebrew, but he's raised in Pharaoh's palace in Egypt, in ancient Egypt. And he, uh, around 40 years old, he flees from Egypt because of a series of events and the Pharaoh's after him. So he goes to this foreign land and he's, he's 40, right? So I just turned 39. Moses' life is really just getting started here. So this is an encouragement to me. I don't know where you're at. We had some folks in our, our prayer meeting at the beginning talking about turning 30 and how their knees hurt and they need walkers and stuff. And I was like, yeah, come on. You are old. I'm 22. So there's a, but, but Moses is just, his, his interesting. His life is broken up into thirds. So when you read the story of Moses, you've got the first 40 years he's in Egypt. The next 40, um, he is, uh, he's leading the, the, or he's in this foreign land. And then the last 40 of his life, he's leading the people through the wilderness. He lives to 120. And so, um, I don't know, there's something interesting about his, the breakdown of his life. So here he is at 40. He's, he's on the run. He flees. He goes to this foreign land. He meets a, a woman at a well, like you do, and, uh, and then meets her dad. And then we'll pick up in verse 21. Moses agreed to stay with the man, this woman's dad, who gave his daughter Zipporah, the woman he met, to Moses in marriage. Verse 22, Zipporah gave birth to a son and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Now this is rough. This is a rough verse right here. What this is saying is that uh, there's, there's, there's a footnote that if you're reading it in your Bible, it would say the word Gershom sounds like the Hebrew word for foreigner. And so Moses is naming his first son 
foreigner as a, a way of defining his life. And this often happened throughout the, the Old Testament. People would name their children. They, they would assign meaning, meaning to their children's names, either speaking something over their children or speaking something over uh, like that moment that their child was born in. And Moses is saying, I'm a foreigner. He names his son Gershom, basically cementing, sealing, this is my life. This is my story. I am alone. I am a stranger. I am lost. I am away from home. I'm, I'm just out here. Here's my son, Gershom. And I don't know if you just, you feel this as we read this story. But what Moses is doing here is he is interpreting He's interpreting the chapter of his life that he's in and potentially defining his entire story from the chapter he's currently in. And this is a, this is a temptation that we feel. This is what I want to warn you about. Don't define your entire story based on the chapter you're in right now. Don't, as you interpret your story, don't define your entire story based on the chapter you're currently in. And interpretation is a big deal um, because the experiences, the events of your life are, are just what's happening, right? I moved to this city. I got this degree. I t- got this job. got into this relationship with this person. We broke up. I lost that job. Whatever happened, right? The things that happened, those are the events. Those are the experiences. The interpretation is the meaning you assign to your experiences. And this is, you, you might want to write this one down. The only person who gets to interpret your story is you. Only you get to interpret your story. No other person gets to do that. Some people might try. doesn't mean people won't say things to you about why something happened or whatever. But in your life, the only person that gets to interpret your story is you. And if you will let him God will guide you in the process of interpreting the events of your life, interpreting your story. The interpretation, it's the meaning behind it. It's the why did this happen? Is what does this mean about me? What does this mean about God? What does this mean about reality? And that's what this this isn't what this sermon is about, but there is a process you can go on of taking a look at your story and even taking a look at how you've tended to interpret your story and what that tells you about yourself and maybe some things you need to unlearn. Like if your interpretation of every event in your life is that you're a victim of those events, maybe that's something to pay attention to. If every person you've ever worked for is a narcissist, maybe that's not true (laughs) because like there are narcissists out there clinically, but they're not, it's not like everybody is one, right? It's a word we're throwing around a whole lot in our culture right now. I won't go down this whole rabbit hole, but how are you interpreting your life? What is the meaning you're assigning to your story? And what we see happening in Moses' story and in Moses' life is he at at 40-ish is looking around at the chapter he's in and he's naming it. 
and he's interpreting his life, and he's naming himself as a foreigner and as a loan. And that interpretation actually evolves over time as Moses lives his life. See, uh, life tends to make more sense through the rearview mirror. As you look back on things that took place, you have the benefit of hindsight. Hindsight's twenty twenty. You have the benefit of hindsight, and you go, oh, okay. Now I see what was going on back there. Now I see how this would come together with this and lead me to this place. I couldn't see it there. Life tends to make more sense through the rear view, but you have to drive looking through the windshield, right? We're only, we're most of the time only in touch with what's happening right here, and we're, we're just processing the events, the data, as it's coming our way. We're living right here. But the thing that's required to accurately interpret your story is time. Time. Time has to pass for you to begin to see that maybe you're here on purpose. That maybe God has been with you. That's next week. But maybe God is actually for you. Uh, there's a psalm. Psalm 90 is, is known as the Psalm of Moses, written by Moses. So it's said, and the first verse of Psalm 90, Psalm 90 verse 1 in the message says, God, it seems you've been our home forever. It seems you've been our home forever. This is the guy who named his firstborn son foreigner, stranger. I'm a foreigner in a foreign land. You can almost hear him like, <laughs> this is comical to me. Like I'm imagining like in our modern day, like uh, a father, like, uh, like as his child is born, <laughs> just, just frustrated about where he's at in his life. <laughs> and the mother's like, all right, you're kind of making it about you right now, but okay. <laughs> Moses at 40, foreigner. Moses at the end of his life, Psalm 90. Yeah, I was a foreigner in a foreign land, and I wandered through the wilderness, and we, went, we walked a long way looking for home, and it turns out, God, you've been our home the whole time. It turns out. It turns out this has been the reality. So how are you defining your life? How are you interpreting the events of your life right now? The beginning of that, um, that first passage we read from Romans 8, verse 28, says, we can throw that back up there, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. This is the kind of thing that we only understand in hindsight. We look back and you go, oh, I see that in that thing that happened, God was working for my good. And I see that in that thing, God was working for my good. I couldn't see it at the time. And in fact, I, at the time, interpreted those events to mean one thing. And at the time, I even claimed and owned one definition of reality because of how I was experiencing it, but I see things differently now. Am I speaking to anybody right now? Is this good? Is this helpful? Uh, I found myself in a moment years ago, um, 
in my early 30s, that's right, I'm, I'm owning that I'm 39. In my early 30s, uh, I found myself in a moment where um, I, uh, so I was about to, re- I'd written a book, spent like a year and a half writing this book and putting this, this thing together. I was about to put this book out. It was, the, it was a new year, it was the beginning of a year. And I was pretty, I was energized and I was excited. I was pretty pumped. Um, at the same time, my wife and I, we'd been trying to start a family for several years and struggling with infertility and kind of just, just dealing with that, right? But in that, for, for that season, I'd been a little bit numb to the, the frustration and the, the pain and the disappointment of our infertility situation. And anybody who's ever, if you've, if you've got um, prolonged disappointment in your life, like you can't stay present to the pain of that all the time, right? It just actually isn't sustainable. You can't just like live with that, that like prick you know, poking you all the time. And so it kind of ebbs and flows and even learning how to lament and grieve and all that kind of stuff. It's like there's an, there's an ebb and a flow. And sometimes you're, you're more present to it. Sometimes you're just kind of a little out of touch with it or a little numb to it. So I was in a place where I wasn't like feeling every day the, oh God, how, how long, you know, I was actually pretty excited about this other thing that I had going on and we were in a good place in life and blah, blah, blah. And um, going into the holidays that year, Kirby was starting to feel kind of funny physically, so she took a pregnancy test and discovered that she was pregnant. And it just came out of nowhere. And because we hadn't, you know, for us, you know, we'd done some fertility treatments and all that kind of stuff, and we were just like, oh my gosh. And I had been so not present to it that all this stuff rose to the surface in me in that moment. I'm going, whoa, like the possibility of getting to become a father and the possibility of this becoming a reality is all the stuff that maybe I'd been kind of keeping at bay um, came up. And I, 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 um, I started to like anticipate what would be, could be. I started to get really excited and hopeful. And um, so some weeks went by, the book came out, and then about a week later, um, she lost the pregnancy. And I, oh, I, I went into a pretty dark place um, where I just, it, it was like, I was fine, you know? I wasn't thinking about this. And then, God, you had to, like, why, why would you let all of these longings and desires come back out just to be dashed like what what's the deal with that and so i it we went i don't know a few weeks few months and um we decided to go take a take a vacation get away and go kind of heal up in the sun somewhere so we were at this resort and um and Kirby, we'd been talking some. Kirby knew, like, I, I wasn't in a good place. I was, in a, I, I was taking it harder than she was at the time. She'd probably been a little more present to the ongoing frustration than I was in that season. And so it all kind of came up. And, um, and so she, she asked me at dinner one night, sitting across the table, and she, she just said, you know, where are you at? How are you doing? How are you feeling about this? How are you feeling about God? Like, because we talked a little bit about some of these things. And the kind of involuntarily, I hadn't thought about this language or used these words, the phrase that just came out of my mouth in this moment was, if there's a God, he doesn't know me. That was like my honest thing that came out of my mouth. And here I was, I was a pastor at this moment. Like we were on vacation, but I was going to come back and preach a sermon that week probably, you know. 
But I'm, I'm far enough removed, I guess, from it all to go, this is, how, this is my honest feeling. And I know the truth, and I know the reality, and intellectually I know, like, blah, blah, blah. But, if, but the, how many of you all know there's, there's truth and there's honesty? And sometimes those are, those are expressed in the same way, and sometimes you, you hold them, can hold both, and they can be juxtaposed in a season. Like, I know it's true, but if I'm being honest, this is also happening inside of me. And can I... Can I hold both? And this isn't a sermon about that. We've talked about that before. We'll talk about it again. Um, if there's a God, he doesn't know me. I felt so, I was realizing that moment, I felt so unseen by God. I felt so unknown by God. I felt so like, not that God was against me, but like, is he, is, is he just indifferent? Is he even aware of me? And I know, and I actually, the way, the, the thing in that season of my life that I think I, 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 I was, Pretty, I, got, I was pretty self-aware, and so I, I did the work to go, what, okay, where am I at? And I think I was really aware of like God's goodness in the world and God's goodness for people and God's love for everybody, but like, does he even, does he, is he for me? I couldn't even go there, right? Is this making sense? We were at a conference a few weeks later. Um, Kirby's a, uh, she's our worship pastor and is, is a worship artist, and we were at this conference, and a bunch of different worship people were playing at it, and Chris Tomlin, you guys know Chris Tomlin, he was doing a set, and he was singing the song, If Our God Is For Us, um, who, who Can Ever Stop Us, that whole deal, and I, I, that's a song I'd heard and sung a million times, I'd even led it back in the day, you know, over and over again, but I was in this room at this worship concert, and I found myself going like, I can't sing along to these words. It wasn't that I was like angry where I was protesting against God and didn't want to say the words, like I couldn't, like I would choke on the words if I tried to sing them in that moment. Because there, in my experience of my life at that time, I could not honestly say that I believed that God was for me. And I'm saying these words today, standing on a stage as a person who has two beautiful daughters and I look at my life and I look at my family and I look at the things that God has done and I, I can only say thank you. Like that's actually my most honest prayer right now is thank you. Truly, truly, just thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you, thank you, thank you. There was a moment though where my, the closest thing to a prayer I had was if there's a God, he doesn't know me. And those two points on the timeline of my life aren't that far removed from each other. Why am I telling you this? If I could go back and talk to that guy, I wouldn't say like, don't say that. <laughs> or don't feel that. Or don't think that. Or here's what you should be thinking or anything like that. I would maybe say, just hang on. Hang on. Hang in there. Don't stop. Keep going. And I, I would maybe say, don't interpret your life based on the chapter that you're in. There's a lot more to your life than the moment that you're in. But if you hang in there long enough and get enough highway behind you, you can look in the rearview mirror and the story begins to make sense. And the interpretation, I, I actually am a believer that the older you get, the older I get, the more generous the interpretation of your life becomes. 
and that there's going to be a day, if I can make it to the ripe old age of whatever, I can be laying on my deathbed going, I had no idea that he was doing that then. And I think the thank you can become more and more authentic and all-encompassing the longer we go. Is this okay? Are we good? He works all things together. He works all things together. Romans 8, 28. He's actually so good at making good out of bad that you could be tempted to create bad theology about it. And people do. God's so good at making good things out of bad things that there are people who would say he must have made the bad thing happen, right? Which I don't think the scripture, that's what the scriptures tell us. He's just that good at, it's called redemption. He's that good at redeeming bad things. And we see it all throughout the Old Testament too, right? Joseph says to his brothers, what, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. The salvation of an entire nation. And Paul's writing as somebody who's undergone such hardship. He's writing to people who are undergoing hardship. By the way, some of the people he's writing to saying, and he's saying, if, if God is for us, who can be against us? Some of them still got caught on, set on fire, right? So this isn't a message saying nothing bad will happen to you if you just, like, some, there's no guarantees there, right? But the thing we're a part of, the thing God's doing in the world, the story he's telling in the world is one of it's getting better and better. And I think the, that no matter how an individual's life goes, and I want to be honoring of the people that were persecuted and are being persecuted around the world even for their faith, that they're a part of the grand story of God making something beautiful out of the chaos out of the, of the world and even out of evil. Um, and if, you, if we wait long enough, we'll see that the story is better than the chapter that we found ourselves in. He works all things together. I'm going to invite the band up. And I'll say this because we're, we're getting close on time here. I'll say this. We're at the beginning of a new year, and um, I think it is a time when, when a lot of us are going, okay, what are the practices? What are the disciplines? What are the rhythms I want to get into? I want to, I, I got to, you know, the holidays are for just letting go of all tethers in your life, and you just become chocolate and cushions, you know, like that's, that is your existence, right? And then January, you come, you, you bring the parts of yourself back together, and you're like, all right, I don't know, what, or, I need a path to walk down, right? I need, a, I need something. What if as you be, begin to do whatever you do on a daily basis, as you adopt some rhythms of walking with God, what if you began each day? <laughs> Not my kid. Um, for once. What if, what if you actually began each day with the assumption God is for me? You're for me. Whether you feel it or not, whether you see it in the circumstances of your life or not, what if you actually just adopted the assumption, God is for me? And what if you kept that in front of yourself? 
instead of whatever message you're telling yourself about your life, whatever your subconscious keeps throwing up against you. And your brain, I don't need to talk to you about neuroplasticity and all that stuff. It's all out there, right? But your brain forms ruts and then sends the same message over and over and over again at you. And if there's any sort of chemical release from anxiety or panic or any of that kind of stuff, your brain adopts those messages even in an even deeper degree. And it can be hard to escape from the story that you've been telling yourself, right? So what if you disrupted your own brain for a minute and you started saying, I'm going to tell myself that God is for me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set a reminder on my phone, and I'm going to write it on the sticky note. I'm going to write it on the mirror, and I'm going to get the face tattoo. And, uh, or, I mean, just check in with God on that one. But, I mean, don't show up next week and be like, I did what you said. Maybe, that's the, maybe it is the right thing for you. What if, what if you began each day and each moment and returned to throughout the day the assumption, God, you're for me, you're for me, you're for me. And what if that was what was, uh, that was the coding on all of your spiritual practices? What if your time with God began with the assumption of God, I, I believe that you're for me? Um, and by the way, it takes time, it takes time like elapsed time for interpretation to become clear of your life. It also takes time, like time spent. And that's the thing that's available to you right now is to go, okay, I don't see out in front of me how it's all working out, but I'm, as I enter into the presence of God today, I'm, I'm entering in with the assumption that you're for me. I'm not entering in with the assumption that you're against me. I'm not entering in with the assumption that you're going to condemn me. I'm not entering into the assumption that you want to get me or that you're holding out on me because of this thing that I did or this thing that happened or whatever. I'm going to just assume because you get to assume. You actually get to choose your beliefs, right? I'm going to adopt the assumption, I'm going to test this, that God, you're for me, and I'm going to enter into my relationship with God and with my life with this assumption before me. And I'm going to see how that goes. And I'm going to allow myself to believe that there are good things coming my way. This, by the way, is called faith, what we're talking about right now. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So when you don't see it in reality, but you decide to make to live under that assumption anyway, that's just faith. That's just faith. It's just faith. And it, it can look like foolishness because it can sometimes be contradictory to the material reality we're experiencing around us. And I'm going to allow myself to hope again. You guys have all seen the memes. Like, no one say 2024 is going to be your year, <laughs> right? You see, you've seen these like, does everybody settle down? Okay. We tried that. And then 2020 happened. So everybody just take it easy. Just say like, it's going to be a year. It's going to be okay. We're going to see how it goes. Right. Like, well, like, what if you had the courage to hope still? Yeah, I know that happened. And I know that we had that thing happen in our society. And I know that like, you know, I don't want to say the word pandemic because is there, you know, what am I going to have the courage to believe again? into hope again. I believe 2024 is going to be my year, okay? It's going to be my year. You can join me. You can be you can it can be your year too, right? But I'm just going to say it, you know, if I'm wrong, whatever, it's uh, we'll try 2025. But I believe I really do. I don't want to live without hope. I don't want to live without the courage to assume that God is bringing about good things next 
in my life. And that doesn't mean that you don't have conflict or friction or battle in your life. In fact, if you feel like you're in a war or you're in a battle, Romans 8 says that Christ is interceding on your behalf. He is fighting presently for you to keep going, to hold on, to not let go, to let some more, to keep driving and let some more highway get into your rearview mirror so that you can see the story he's really telling through your life. Just stand with us. God, we ask that you would speak to us. Let us hear your voice. Let us know that you're talking to, to each of us, that you are for me, not just for the church, not just for the person next to me, not just for somebody else, but you are for me. And let this be a moment of intimacy, connection, communion. We have people who would love to pray for you. Um, in, the, in the side of the room over here, we have communion stations around the room if you'd like to receive communion this morning. We're going to respond in worship. Amen. Okay.